we're going to be addressing the claim that Western values come from Christianity or if Christianity deserves any credit for any of the Enlightenment values or anything that people call modern values, Western values, Enlightenment values. Uh, and we have a very good guest today to go over that. We have an expert. Can you introduce yourself? Somewhat. My name is Landon Haynes. I'm an author with Atheist Republic. Uh, it's my second podcast about this subject. This one is going to be a lot more more specific, right? Um, and you have some stuff that you want to go over with us. But what, what is yeah. your book, by the way, and where can people get it? Yeah, uh, it's called A Justified Faith. A little bit to the to my right, to your left. A Justified yeah. Faith, Landon Hayes. Okay, what what is that book about? Uh, it's about the progress of humanity, basically. That humanity is the justified faith. And in opposition to you know religion as a justified faith. All right, I'm going to link to it after uh, in the in the description. So go check that out. So let oh. us. Uh, so and let, at some point we're going to have a podcast specifically discussing your book because that's an important topic. Uh, but today we're going to be talking specifically about whether uh, or not Christianity deserves any credit for Western values. How you respond to yeah. that? Like, do you want to go over what? What are we yeah. going to cover today? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things is uh, we on our last podcast we touched on the Protestant Reformation, and I know you had heard a lot. You know, a lot of people say that it had a lot to do with it, which it kind of did, but not in any thematic way. Not as far as its values, right? Not on purpose. Right, because it could have been anything that broke the you know, the hegemony of the Catholic Church, you know, it could have been something else. Right. Right. So, yeah. Or, and nothing, so I wrote a and based nothing from within the Bible or no, and nothing that any of the Reformation thinkers are actively promoted is responsible for that, basically. Yeah. Okay. It was kind of almost, you know, in spite of themselves that they may have helped the Enlightenment, right? Right. So, so I wrote a little, a little short paragraph not too long after our last podcast, six months ago or whatever it was, um, um, paragraph goes, uh, Western values come from Judeo-Christian principles. Christianity is about obedience and authority, even submission to worldly authority, which is assigned by God, not freedom. It's God is a tyrant. Scripture says nothing about democracy, and Christian history is one of massacring people for incorrect views, and in no way preaches freedom of religion. Christianity has, and the Bible does, subject women and condone slavery. It commands faith, not questioning, contrary to science and philosophy, and condemns affluence and striving for wealth while preaching to stay in your station in life, contrary to capitalism. The focus and the goal is the next life, not the betterment of this life and this world. Okay, so uh, let me just, for the people that are not familiar with this, uh, let me uh, give you the main points that people bring to say that Christian, uh, without Christianity, we wouldn't be having Western values, we wouldn't be having human rights, we wouldn't be having freedom of speech. Uh, the, the, the main things that I keep hearing over and over again is that Christianity promoted individual liberty, and that's why it was responsible for Enlightenment values. Uh, they also say that Christianity, uh, for the first time, um, 
put a huge focus on the value of human life um, and that was revolutionary and that's why Christianity is responsible for enlightenment values and Western values uh, they also a lot of people mentioned that the Reformation was what uh, was a fight against um, authoritative religious practices and the Reformation eventually led to Europe uh, you know having human rights and Western what we call Western values and the last argument the fourth the one that I keep hearing is that the fact that Western values or enlightenment values or modern values whatever you call them uh, they became so um, you know popular in we, we, the, the fact that they got adopted in mostly Christian countries and you, the, the fact that you don't see them in um, they didn't start in other countries. They didn't start in Islamic well, countries. Did, did they say that, that's right proof? Here. Well, let me let me finish the last one. The, the fact that you see it in Christian countries shows that Christianity had something to do with it. So these are the four mm -hmm. main things that people say. Well, you notice when we got the the human rights movement and all that, right, in the Enlightenment, that happened at the exact time that Christianity started to be questioned and challenged as never before, right? That's when we started getting all that stuff. Not before then, right? Okay, so actually that reminds me, to, uh, that gives, that brings me to, another, just reminds me of another fifth argument that I hear from atheists at least is that even if Christianity had nothing to do with it, Christianity was passive enough to be it, for it to be, for Enlightenment thinkers to be able to challenge it. So at least what you, the least credit you could give to Christianity is the fact that it was uh, mild, weak enough to be able to get to allow itself to get challenged. Do you know how it got weak? Where? <laughs> uh, many, many religious wars and persecution and bloodshed and people getting tired of it. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it, because right. it got broken down and it got challenged and it lost its authority. If it had the same authority as it did before, you think it would be in a passive state where all that's, you know, where it would um, allow for that to happen. Right. Like, look at, look at from the fall of the Roman Empire. The Dark Ages, you know, up until like the Renaissance and even through the Renaissance, you think it was passive then? The you know the Crusades, the Inquisition, and Inquisitions all over the world. I mean, from you know, there's various like uh, in Peru there was an Inquisition, you know, in Mexico there was an Inquisition, <laughs> all over the place. The Crusades lasted 200 years. The witch burnings, you know, like 500. It wasn't passive at first for for most of its history. Right. So that's just that's just. Just to be clear to our audience, by the way, there's a huge echo right now, and that's because you don't have a headset. But in future discussions, uh, we're gonna get you a headset. Uh, but so I'm playing devil's advocate here, right? So if, I, I agree. Uh, just for the people that don't know, that um, I completely agree that uh, enlightenment values don't need to thank Christianity. In fact, they were against Christianity. But another, to the point that you just brought, like the Inquisition and all the Crusades and whatever, uh, what people say that you can't, uh, what what people would respond to that, what Christians might respond to that, is that you can't really trace any of that to the Bible. Like the Inquisition, um, all those killings, um, there's nothing in the Bible that advocates for any of that. Um, if you look at like all the uh, crimes in Islam, all the jihad, all the barbarity, you could directly link that to something in the Quran or, or in the Hadith. But when you, when you want to 
blame Christianity for an inquisition. Show me where in the Bible it promotes any of that. So that's what they that that's what the response is going to be. Okay, Deuteronomy six, I think, or no, Deuteronomy thirteen. Uh, it says, "Go kill everybody that doesn't worship your God." <laughs> Off the top of my head, um, Revelation it says everybody's going to be burnt up. You know, that's not a Christian. Mm. Uh, you know, and it says, uh, you know, spare no wish to live. Um, that's a direct, you know, authorization for witch burning. Right. Uh, I mean, really, it's all through the Bible, you know. Right. Let me let me uh, let me give you a quote of Stephen Pinker here. Uh, Institutionalized torture in Christendom was not just an unthinking habit; it had a moral rationale. If you really believe that failing to accept Jesus as one Savior is a ticket to fiery damnation, then torturing a person until he acknowledges this truth is doing him the biggest favor of his life. Better a few hours now than an eternity later. And silencing a person before he can corrupt others or making an example of him to deter the rest is a responsible public health measure. So, I mean, it just follows naturally. You know, if you think people are going to hell, they don't believe what you believe. You know, that's what you get, right? It would be the most moral thing to do. Yeah. Um, so, so you wanted to go over some um, some of the values. So the, the the trick that people play to give the, uh, credit to Christianity for Western values is to tie in the Enlightenment era uh, progress that we made in Europe uh, to tie that somehow to Reformation, right? Uh, right. And they were, because the the leaders of that movement were. Uh, we're using Christianity or Christian arguments, they say, well, there you go. See, without the Reformation, you wouldn't have enlightenment. Uh, and so, so given that Reformation was a movement, a Christian movement, Christianity deserves credit for enlightenment. So, by the way, what year, so the Reformation was what time and the enlightenment era is what time? Like, if you want to give people some perspective. Sure. Uh, Martin Luther came along in, uh, I think, 1513 or 1517. Beginning of the 1500s, right? You know, he posted his uh, his little letter uh, you know, on the on the door of the Catholic Church, and uh, he, he was preaching against the sale of indulgences and things like that. Um, so, at the beginning of the 1500s for the Reformation, um, the Enlightenment is generally 1650 or 1680 to 1800, more or less. Right. So, so to give some credit to what the people are saying, it's true that the Reformation movement really did challenge the authority of the Catholic Church, and they, and they also popularized protesting and challenging authority, which is something that helped the Enlightenment movement. But the, but the counterpoint to that is that that was the Enlightenment movement was not the goal of the Protestant Reformation. In fact, it was completely. The values that they were advocating was completely against the Enlightenment movement, and yeah. so it wasn't by design; it was by accident. Um, and oh. um, and so anything that basically, but but we can ad ad admit that the fact they did popularize protesting, but and this act of but this act of questioning authority and fighting against authority figures, even though that was part of the Reformation. It doesn't have any Christian backing for that, right? In fact, accepting authority is more like a Christian value than challenging authority, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, where in the Bible does it preach freedom of religion or freedom at all? Right, exactly. 
So two, so two counterpoints to that is that the Protestant thinkers were not were not thinking of eventually getting to Enlightenment values. That's just something a byproduct, a happy byproduct. That uh, and also the, the even though they did popularize challenging authority, that is no Christian value. Uh, and you actually have some examples of the values of the uh, Reformation thinkers that goes exactly in opposition of Enlightenment values. Correct? Oh yeah. Okay, go ahead. You want me to get on those? Yeah. It's pretty lengthy, uh, lengthy reading. <laughs> uh, some of it. I, I can go through it, though. Can, uh, you, can you just, like, summarize some of the... Yeah, I'll do my best. Yeah. I'll do my best. Okay, okay. All right, so um, in his 65,000-word treatise on the Jews and their lies, Martin Luther offered the following advice on what Christians should do to the rejected and condemned people. First, set fire to their synagogues and, and schools, bury and cover with dirt, uh, will, will not burn so that no one will ever again see a stone or cinder of them. Uh, I advise that their houses be razed and destroyed. Uh, their prayer books and Talmudic uh, writings uh, should be destroyed. I advise that their rabbis be forbidden to teach uh, on pain uh, or loss of life and limb. I advise... Um, that's not relevant. Very, very anti-Jewish. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then with the Anabaptists, who are the um, the forerunners of today's Amish and Mennonites, uh, he said that they should be put to death. Uh, the other founder of Protestantism, which was John Calvin, uh, he had a similar view about blasphemy and heresy. Uh, <clears throat> get to what he uh, had to say there. He said, God makes it plain that the false prophet is to be stoned without mercy we are to crush beneath our heels all natural affectations when his honor is at stake the father should not spare his child nor the husband his wife nor the friend that friend who is dearer to him than life uh, calvin put his argument into practice by ordering among other things that the writer michael servetus who had questioned the trinity be burned at the stake uh, in geneva Another main um, rebel against Catholicism was Henry VIII, and uh, his administration burned on average 3.25 heretics per year. Um, this stuff does not does not ring of you know modern values of you know freedom of religion, press, speech, conscience, you know, <laughs> at all. So I don't I don't understand how anybody can can argue that. So when we think of enlightenment values, oh my God, the echo. Uh, when we think about enlightenment values, uh, we think mostly about freedom of expression, due process. Uh, what else? What else comes to mind when we think about enlightenment values? Freedom of belief, uh, freedom of practicing uh, your religion. Um, what else do we think of? Let me get to the, those notes here. The point I'm trying to make is that do we have, do, can you think of any Bible verses, anything from the Bible or from Christian doctrine that could be in any way tied to any of these values at all? Well, if you take the very best sayings of Jesus, then, and you put them in a bubble and don't connect them to anything else about Christianity, right? Um, including hell and, and everything else then maybe you could get, you know, you'd be nice, give right? Me an, give me an example of something that people... Well, like the sermon, on, the sermon on the Mount, you could say, um, you know, treat your neighbor good, right? Mm 
I mean, but that's not really, that's like a, that's not even a philosophy. Well, it's very, you know, people said that way before him, right? And and many other people have said that. That's not really a systematic worldview that, you know, about freedom and, and all of that. So The two examples people give is one is the golden rule and the other one is the treat your neighbor uh, with lo- love your neighbor and stuff, right? Which is right. such, uh, which first of all, they're not at all new. People, the, when people want to defend Christianity, they make it seem like the, uh, that anything, that these moral values are something revolutionary for its type. Ver- but if you look at them, first of all, they're very simplistic, they're very naive, they're very childish. Um, and if you look at historically the the the, the way uh, Greek philosophers um, t- uh, talk about uh, ethics and morality is was a lot more nuanced and with a lot more thought and a lot more advanced. It's not like nobody thought about the fact that being kind to people is a good thing before, right? Um, right. And in fact, and and people think, um, and in fact, there there, there are other uh, you know standards that were enforced by uh by Hammurabi or by by uh the Persian empire uh which they they had their first rec- uh, recorded in history um declaration of human rights was years before the uh, the bible was ever uh, written so there was right. nothing new about them in fact the what what was new about the bible um at least what was new about the Bible as we as recorded in history is the idea of eternal torture. <laughs> that was revolutionary. Uh, that was the revolution- right that, yeah. yeah, that was eternal revolution- torture, yeah. 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 The, the revolutionary part of the Bible was the idea of uh, eternal uh, torment for people that don't believe in a certain thing. Uh, So if you want to talk about revolutionary, the most inhuman, the most sadistic suggestion in history was started by the Bible. That's the contribution of the Christian ideology, of the Christian doctrine when it comes to values. But go on. You were talking about, you were talking about the values of the enlightenment and or modernity, right? Right. So uh, democracy, racial and sexual equality, individual liberty of lifestyle for freedom of thought, expression, press. Uh, eradication of religious authority from the legislative process and education, um, separation of church and state, um, uh, the absolutes, according to Peter Gay, one of the you know big names of uh, Enlightenment scholars, uh, the absolutes of the Enlightenment were freedom, tolerance, um, reason, and humanity, uh, and, and to substitute reliable information and rational theory for guessing and metaphysics. And to use newly won knowledge in behalf of man. Um, let's see. And, and, yeah, and so also Protestantism was the reverse of secularism or skepticism, and it was in spite of them, uh, in spite of themselves, that the Protestants, you know, brought that about. And one thing that's really surprising to me is I, I hadn't studied the early Enlightenment that much, like you know, like. The 1600s, late 1600s. Well, like uh, this book that I'm on now, if you can see it uh, clearly, it's Radical Enlightenment. A little bit more to your left. Okay, Radical Enlightenment. Okay. By Jonathan Israel. It's a trilogy about the Enlightenment. It's like a thousand pages. Uh, 
In the 1600s, they were constantly talking about atheists all the time, like atheist works, atheist philosophies, atheist schools. And I, I was pretty surprised by that. Um, Wait, a lot of people the, thought the Nightmare thinkers atheists. were talking about that? Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, this book is constantly, the word atheist is in there citing people that were talking about it, right? And I was surprised by that. I didn't realize that, you know, I was thinking more of, you know, around the middle of the 1700s and, and on, you have, a, you know, a lot more atheists, you know, like uh, huh. we talked about the Holbach, you know, the system of nature, the atheist Bible, uh, Diderot and uh, Condorcet and a lot of people and the French Revolution. But even back then, they, they were, I mean, yeah, I was surprised by that. So I'd recommend people that really want to dig into that stuff, uh, check that book out and, and, and all of his work, actually. So it's really interesting. Um, so what what about, so you mentioned secularism. Doesn't the Bible says, uh, give to Caesar what is Caesar's? What's that verse? Uh, doesn't that suggest secularism? Um, you know, some people have some great commentary on this, and I, I can't, I wish I would have took more notes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's more about taxes, right? Yes. Talking about that, yeah. actually that's that, that's exactly right. That's specifically about taxes. In fact, there's another part of the Bible where it actually tells you that you have to follow the authority, follow authority, follow the uh, that, That's another thing. No, if you sorry, wanna... sorry, sorry. There's another part of the Bible that actually says that you should follow God's law. You should prefer God's law over man's law. I wish I had Jim here right. because he knows exactly which verse I'm talking about. Uh, which, which letters was that? That's in the New Testament, I think. Um, but yeah, but there, but the Bible actually, when it comes, the the verse that is talking about give to Caesar, what is Caesar is specifically talking about just taxes. It's not talking about following certain rules of law or certain orders. In fact, it does when it does talk about following orders, it specifically says that you shouldn't be following. Uh, man's law and following God's law, which does, which not at all um, is a suggestion of separation of church and state, and right. it completely contradicts that. Uh, um, I'm going to ask Jim which verse that is, and I'm going to uh, when he tells me, I'm going to put uh, leave that in the description. But go on, so another, you to say something. Another point is um, people that thought that the world was ordained by God and, and that He had put all the institutions in place, right? Uh, and the, the the morals and the and the social relations of people, including you know women, and uh, you know we had the divine right of kings. God placed the king and the kings above the people, and all that. People that believed in that, they had a hard time trying to say that you know we should eradicate all that, or it's all inherently corrupt, right, and should be wiped away or drastically altered, right? Because it's ordained by God, right? It's how can we? And and they also people that thought like that, they had a big problem. Um, squaring that with all the human misery, right? That's why the uh, the 1755 earthquake in Lisbon like wiped out thousands of people, and and it was like on a Sunday, I think, and people were like in their churches, and they got wiped out while they were praying, and brothels were left intact, and people like Voltaire and others there, you know, they they had trouble, you know, it, it kind of shook Europe because you know, like, <laughs> you know, these these things are very difficult to square. What, what do you what do you say to the people that say, uh, look, it was a lot of the Enlightenment thinkers were Christian? Um, they I, weren't though. That's not true. Okay. <laughs> it's not a, it's not true. Uh, name me a Christian Enlightenment. There there were some. I'm not saying that they didn't exist, but okay. Name name me a Christian Enlightenment thinker. Go for it. Uh, well, you you tell me what what was their religion then? <laughs> okay, Voltaire was a deist. Okay. Rousseau was a deist. 
two okay. biggest names. Diderot started an atheist, I mean, started a, a deist and became an atheist, one of the biggest atheists. That's the third biggest name. Uh, Anthony Collins, he wrote a, a book called A Discourse on Free Thinking in 1713. He was a deist. Uh, Tolan was a deist. Uh, Spinoza was kind of an atheist, pantheist. Pantheist uh, is atheist. Kind of, yeah. Okay. They, they call him atheists all the time. Right. Uh, um, who else? Thomas Hobbes, he was pretty much an atheist. David Hume was an atheist uh, and skeptic. Um, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Paine, deists. Um, but even if they were, even if they were um, Christian, it doesn't mean that they got these values out of Christianity. The same. No, it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, like, even if they like the way, for example, if somebody is a Muslim scientist, that doesn't mean Islam promotes science. If somebody is right. a, a Christian fan, is a Christian at the same time a big fan of Game of Thrones, that doesn't mean that being a fan of Game of Thrones makes it is part of Christianity, right? That right. Muslim, like. Muslims are more than just Muslims. They get their values not just from Islam. They get their values from other places. Christians get their values from other places other than just Christianity, right? And just because mm, Christians... Yeah. So another argument people make is like it was the Christians that uh, fought against slavery and freed a lot of slaves. And that shows that this is Christianity is to be thanked for that, right? How would you... Basically the same response. First of all, I don't know... Uh, they traded in slaves for a thousand years before that. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Bible... And, when, and again, when did that change? During the Enlightenment period, when Christianity was getting challenged, actually, left and right. Actually, that's a very good point, because if Christianity is responsible for Enlightenment movement, Enlightenment um, uh, values, then why did it take until these anti-Christian Enlightenment thinkers to show up and do what they did for these values to become popular because they had they had 1600 years of christianity and it, none of these values were were condoned by any uh, by by christianity like no by any christian nation uh, so why did it take until enlightenment era where these values become popular it had nothing to do with christianity like if if people if people want to say that the fact that these values became popular in mostly christian countries shows that they come from christianity well then your the same reasoning can be used to say well it doesn't because for 1600 years these christian countries were uh, adopting values that goes exactly against all these modern enlightenment values but go on i have another book to flash for you uh, if you can see it clearly Okay. I don't know. Read it for our podcasters. Uh, the Enlightenment, the rise of modern paganism. Modern so, paganism. Gay was uh, one of the biggest uh, to, your, to your left scholars. Is it? Yeah, yeah, I see. Okay. So his his, his one of his his main thesis of the book is that the Enlightenment was the rise of modern paganism. So it was actually taking pagan values, and if you think about it, in the Renaissance. They rediscovered, like you know, uh, Lucretius, who, who uh, uh, you know, espoused atomism and you know the atomism of Democritus and uh, Epicurus, right? And that was a big thing that happened that kind of also helped break the, um, at least in you know intellectual circles, the the mental shackles of Christianity and uh, uh, all of that. So you want to say the Enlightenment came about by Christianity? Here's one of the leading scholars talking about. Actually, it's kind of a rise of 
modern paganism, you know, because if you think about the ancient Greeks and, and uh, some of the Romans, they were free thinkers. They were, you know, they didn't have any shackles on their thought, right? They, uh, of course, that's where we first get democracy and all kinds of things. But yeah, so there's another big point for you right there. <laughs> you know, right. some people think of it as modern paganism. So, so um, you mentioned Sermon on the Mount. Can you mention uh, what are some of the things in the Bible from whatever Jesus said that in the Bible uh, or alleged type said uh, that people link to? Like, can you do you know any specific verses or any other than love your neighbor? That's the, is that the only thing? Like, um, I can't think of anything else. There's nothing. I can't there. even. <laughs> it's, not really i mean the book is it's very interesting to me where people especially a lot of atheists even say like yeah the old old testament is bad shit crazy but the new testament is pretty loving and encourages love where it where it really doesn't like it's a book that suggests that anybody that doesn't believe in jesus is going to be burning forever like uh it's a book full of contradictions too so you yeah. find one thing you'll find something to contradict it I mean, Jesus specifically said, I'm not here to bring you peace. I'm co I've come here to bring you sword, right? The sword. And right. he said, and he also said that you should hate your own family um, and you should love me instead. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Is, is, why do you think this argument is so common, though? Like, I see this, given that it seems to me pretty obvious. Like, every time people are like, oh, come on. Of course, Christianity has something to do with the Western values. And it takes like five minutes worth of questioning for you to realize that they can't pinpoint exactly what they mean. Like, you're like, okay, show me. Show me where these enlightenment values, how these enlightenment I values think... come from Christianity. And they can't. And given how, like, these are great thinkers that I'm talking, like, these are pe very popular thinkers and writers that are saying this. And I, I'm not seeing a single example, a single argument that makes any, like, that passes two minutes or, like, a few minutes worth of thinking like you just ask them where where is it coming from and there's they have nothing to show show me how this is coming from christianity why is it so why if they can't why is this so popular so i think the i think the uh christian writers right the apologists they have a vested interest in twisting things and doing mental gymnastics to try to to make it that um as far as the common people and, and the general culture, I think it's a combination of being ignorant of history and scripture um, and history in general. Uh, and because also everything they see, like when people do good things, you know, who, who gives out free food and helps, you know, sends out missionaries to help people. It's the church, right? Because that's how society formed through the accidents of history. You know, it's this is the, the religion that we got in our culture and, and they're the people that often do things because they channel their good human instincts through the only institution they've ever known. Uh, you know, so people see that and they, that it just, it just connotes that immediately. And that's just kind of how things have uh, developed. So I think there are combinations of things that, that can explain that pretty easy. I don't even see it as mental gymnastics. It's actually worse than that. It's not, they're not even making the argument. It's just a claim. Like, I, I wish they were make. I wish they would go as far as actually making the mental gym, uh, gymnastics because it's just like, like when you ask them why do they think it comes from Christian values, it just stops. It's just like, well, of course it does. Where do you think it came from? 
Like, well, show me. Like, I, I haven't even seen the mental gymnastic. It's just a claim and nothing else. Like, I, yeah. I wish there was some mental gymnastics that we could actually now look at and, you know, but it's not there. It's just like, well, this came out of here. Well, sh- how? This is actually exactly the opposite of what the Enlightenment values stand for. Well, hey, I mean, you know, religion is full of empty assertions and circular logic. So. But this comes from <laughs> this, what is weird about this claim that uh, Christianity is, is responsible for Enlightenment values is that it comes from atheists as well. Um, like, like I think they... Is there a name? Do you know of a name? Any specific, like, scholar that's made that claim? Well, I mean, I wasn't... So, for example... Well, not scholar. I, I mean, it's interesting because uh, one of the greatest advocates for enlightenment values, Steven Pinker, he was even he was trying to go over it to to suggest it a little bit that maybe Christianity has something to do with it on the Secular Judges podcast, uh, and he mentioned to us that well maybe the idea that human life is valued is is comes from Christianity. Um, and I have a quote from Pinker that you now that you reminded me. Let me get back to that when but, you get done. But yeah, okay. But then, but then I ask him, how could you say that? How could we say? Well, he didn't say it. He was just thinking it out loud on the podcast, right? And they're like, well, this is a this is a religion that introduced us the idea of eternal torture. Are we really going to give credit to a religion that introduced us to the idea of eternal torture? Uh, are we going to credit it for a religion that introduced us to valuing human life? Uh, we're, we're, is, and you heard is, my quote from Pinker a few minutes ago about you know how hell how and he agreed. By the way, just to be fair to Pinker, he said like yes, that's uh, you're right. We can't give credit yeah. to Christianity for that. But go on for the quote. Okay, uh, let's see. Let me get the book. By the way, the book Enlightenment Now. Okay, well, yeah, go on. I would say his book, The Better Angels of Our Nature, is the best book I've ever read. Yeah, that's an awesome book. I actually met Stephen Pinker in Atlanta at the uh, the Atlanta History Center, and I got uh, my, my book signed by him. And I gave him a copy of my book, too, so that was cool. Um, yeah. But, um, okay, so uh, I'll get to that quote in just a second. Um, when we talk about the causes of the Enlightenment, right? right. One of them, like, like uh, was just the wars, right? It was just attrition from all of the, the bloodshed. And, and, like, the Christianity had an, an attitude of, like, this world is fallen. It's it, it's going to burn. Uh, it's all about the next life, right? And people didn't have the confidence to think that they could or they should try to improve this this world, and that they could do it, and that they could, you know, find the means to do it. And so that's another big difference between the Enlightenment and the modern world and Christianity. How Christianity was for a thousand years, you know, it was all like the world is lost and fallen, and you know, original sin, and you know, all of that was just you know, it was just blanketed all over everywhere. That's That was the kind of the mindset. And so people started to gain confidence. Uh, they started to see that, you know, ancient beliefs could be wrong and harmful and that people could think for themselves. Um, and uh, the biggest key, I think, in history is replacing revelation with investigation. Um, you know, so. I, yeah, I mean, the, one of the best, one of the greatest things about uh, enlightenment way of thinking is the fact that um 
you know, things needs to be tested and be proven to work, right? Like, and being and constantly being skeptical about, and that goes against Christianity all the time, right? Uh, which constantly promotes just believing, just believing, just believing, um, without questioning things and just accepting uh, things. Um, and another thing, another thing, another great idea that mostly came from Enlightenment era is that the constant improvement of the values, like. Then nothing about these values are sacred. The only reason why we like the enlightenment values is because not because you know there's you know they're divine or anything or they're coming from a position of authority, but because they have because we can demonstrate and we can prove that they actually help humanity. And whenever wherever they've been implemented, um, they, they have people have benefited immensely from it. And that's why that whole mindset is important. And even if the, the 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 great thing about this is that even if the values are shit, you could you could constantly improve it. Even if there's a problem, like the the enlightenment values didn't say like, okay, here are some values, and now just go with it and you can't, don't change it anymore. They're not set in stone. The constant rethinking, uh, rethinking it, and trying to come up with better values and improving it. That was the that was a major thing that came with the package of the, uh, what they offered to us, right? And I. It's, right. I think what what the what the problem with the Enlightenment uh, values and Enlightenment era of philosophers are is a PR problem, because we I think book like these were, are needed to show how much book like Enlightenment Now by Steven Pinker are needed that to show how much we have benefited from this. Like I think people are so ungrateful to these thinkers and they have no idea how much they benefited from and the only reason why they got spread so much is because they work and nobody like that there's not that many people that felt like they need to come and promote this because they just work so why would i need to promote this they work so that's why everybody is using them right but the fact right. that we we didn't went we didn't do the promotion we didn't went and actively as as actively as these uh, Christians and Muslims are doing and go and show how much how much people are indebted are to these values because we didn't take an active role in doing that in communicating with that people and people think was why is why would you do that you just use the ideas that work well now we see why people do that because the, the, what what Islam and Christianity will do <clears throat> is that they will come and take credit for ideas way better than themselves and when you don't actively go co and communicate where people are getting the, all the benefits from they will come and fill in the gap of the promotion that you're not doing they will come and say like not not only you need to thank us for these values that we had nothing to do with this is actually true islam and this is true christianity and the, the only like this is this is this has been completely in line with everything we as soon as they become very popular they just jump on the bandwagon and all of a sudden these values become exactly what muhammad had in mind or exactly what jesus had in mind and we have to kick them off of the bandwagon and tell them no get the fuck out you were you were always in our in our way you were always you were being you been fighting against that, these values for generation and and, and you 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 don't get, you don't get to get on this bandwagon. In fact, we have to kick you off because if you become popular again, if you become um, if you go in power again, if you get authority again, we are pretty sure that you're going to be fighting against these values again. You don't you shouldn't be you shouldn't be thanked for any of these things. In fact, you should be condemned for making it so hard for us to gain these values. Uh, 
for f this late because without you, we would have been here ages ago. Christianity is like a caged lunatic. You don't want to set it free, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Just, uh, yeah. And this is what atheists, modern, a lot of Christian apologists, atheists are doing. They're like looking at the Christianity and it's a caged lunatic. And they're like, hey, let's, it doesn't look harmful. Let's open the cage. I was like, well, you fucking right, let's idiot. Let's pick up a history book. You know, I'm like, the reason why it's not harmful is because it's in a fucking cage. Okay? In fact... Yeah, let's pick up a history book and show them what it looked like. Yeah. When they, when they had power, right? Yeah, exactly. But, um... We talk about the causes of the Enlightenment, right? Okay. Um, exploration was a cause. People's minds got opened by seeing people in China that were doing just fine without Christianity and... Uh, the world was a lot bigger than people thought. And it's like, you know, oh, we had this revelation here, but God, these people are over here and they didn't know anything about it and they're doing fine and things like that. And uh, they have a deep history, uh, older than ours. Um, another one, again, was uh, a war and persecution, right? Um, so the wars of religion, right? Uh, here's a list of some of the wars of religion uh, that got us people getting tired of, uh, of the bloodshed. Uh, the Wars of Religion embraced the French Huguenot war Wars, 1562-94, uh, the Dutch Wars of Independence, also known as the uh, Eighty Years' War, 1568-1648, the Thirty Years' War, 1618-48, the English Civil War, 1642-48, uh, the Wars of Elizabeth I in Ireland, Scotland, and Spain, 1586-1603, uh, the War of the Holy League, 1508 to 16. Uh, Charles Charles V's wars in Mexico, Peru, France, and the Ottoman Empire, 1521 to 52. And um, also the rates of death in these wars uh, were staggering. During the Thirty Years' War, soldiers laid waste to much of present-day Germany, Germany, reducing its population by around a third. Oh my God! And the, the rates of death in some of these are greater than like World War One. And so it was basically in the, se the second half of the 17th century uh, that Europeans finally began to lose their zeal for killing people with the wrong supernatural beliefs. Uh, like we had the, the Peace of uh, Westphalia and some others. Uh, and, uh, okay, so you can ask, you know, what made Europeans finally decide uh, that it was all right to, lay, to let their uh, dissenting compatriots risk eternal damnation uh, by their bad example and lure others to their fate. Uh, one of the things, and Steven Pinker makes this argument, um, is people started to place a higher value on human life. Uh, part of this newfound appreciation was an emotional change, a habit of identifying with the pains and pleasures of others. Another, another part of it was an intellectual and moral change, a shift from valuing souls to valuing lives. So the gradual replacement of lives for souls as the locus of moral values was helped along by the ascendancy of skepticism and reason. So no one can deny the difference between life and death or the existence of suffering, but it takes indoctrination to hold beliefs about what becomes of an immortal soul after it has parted company from the body. The 17th century is called the age of reason, an age when writers began to insist that beliefs be justified by experience and logic. That undermines dogmas about souls and salvation, and it undermines the policy of forcing people to believe unbelievable things at the point of a sword 
or a Judas cradle. So that's another thing. Um, valuing souls over valuing lives. Mm. It can be a pretty dangerous thing. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Because even with even the, any amount of again, there's so much echo. Sorry about that, guys. Even if there is uh, any, uh, even if you could point to any care in Christianity for, uh, it's not necessarily for people in this life. It's about their eternal souls, which come, right. which is basically come could come as as a sacrificing their well-being in this world. For their have for their for their eternal souls in in the next world, which is a very dangerous, very dangerous way of thinking about our well-being. Uh, basically, any 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 that line of thinking basically leads to uh, sacrificing the only life that we ever get for for something for for nothing. Uh, by the way, Jim just responded to me on on Facebook. Um, the response to a lot of people trying to give uh, credit to Christianity for secularism, where say give to uh, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, uh, and we mentioned that if you look at that in context, that's only about the taxes. But the ver the specific verse, w one of them is Acts five uh, twenty nine, uh, which contradicts any suggestions for secularism, which says Peter and the other apostles replied, "We must obey God." rather than human beings uh, which is very anti-secular he also let me see if they're saying also romans uh, 13 1 to 2 says uh, says to obey man's law or suffer god's pun uh, say to obey man's law or suffer god's punishment so i get, wait is that a contradiction there is a let me see if that's a contradiction let me bring up that verse because there's seems to be contradicting the Acts one if that's what he says Romans uh, 13 1-2 so let everyone be subject to governing to the governing authority okay so see the, the Romans one it seems to be contradicting the Acts one if I'm reading this one because this one is saying let everyone subject to the government authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established so this one is um, it, so this one contradicts the Acts one because it's saying that just to, to follow go, uh, your government authorities but this is but even this one is still contradicting enlightenment values which is suggests that any authority is basically uh, God's uh, it's been established by God so when people say that uh, we need to give thanks to Christianity when it comes to f uh, because of the reformation movement popularizing protests and pop popularizing questioning authority well that goes against Romans uh, 13 1 to 2 which is specifically says that you should follow authority you should because it's been chosen and this, in fact isn't this a verse that a lot of kings show use as a way to tell their people their subjects that you just need to listen to me even if i'm a shitty king doesn't yeah. matter doesn't it doesn't matter that i'm a shitty king i've been ordained by god because every yeah king there's quotes in the bible to justify kings absolutely right yeah so it says it continues the second part is say, so the authorities that exist have been established by god and then it continues romans 13 uh 2 it says cons consequently Whoever rebe rebels against the authority is rebe is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Doesn't seem like very, you know, this, <laughs> the whole name Protestant comes from protesting, and this verse 
pretty much tells you that you shouldn't be protesting shit. So good luck giving credit to the Christianity for any for any act of rebellion. But go on. Yeah, one thing that uh, I didn't mention about Martin Luther is he called reason a whore. He said reason is a whore and it's the greatest enemy of faith. <laughs> okay, say so, again, guys. This is Martin Luther. The, 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 you can Google it. Reason is a whore, yeah. the greatest enemy of faith. This is the, the this is your Reformation movement that you. Yeah, Martin Luther started the Reformation. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, the people people. He was try, also sexist, people right? Try, again, this is. Let me just repeat this. This is important. The people trying to give credit to the Reformation for the age of reason. You have to understand that the, the founder of the Rio Reformation said that reason is a whore. Okay. Yep, he did. <laughs> um, you can't get more anti-reason than that. Uh, in the live chat, uh, Power Aura is saying Enlightenment era values are what made West West great, not Judeo-Christian values. Exactly. In fact, Judeo-Christian values was what what we had to fight against to be able to make the West great. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing that we are we are people are giving credit to this to the values that stood against enlightenment values for what's for why the West is great today. It's it's absolutely it's amazing and it's so it's so weird that so many otherwise intelligent people are taking it seriously. Some 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 um some big names that take that claim that are uh, Dave Rubin, um, uh, Jordan Peterson. Um, and who's that? Uh, who else? Oh my god, I can't believe I forgot his name. Hold on. Death of... I hope he's not watching this because <coughs> I we met a couple of times. Uh, Douglas Murray. Fuck, I'm really bad with names. And yeah, Douglas, Douglas Murray, Murray kind of is disappointing to me. I didn't realize how, uh, uh, I guess conservative he is. You know what I mean? Like, I thought he was, like, because I've seen a couple of debates he's done, but... Right. You know, I think he moderated a Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson debate or two, and his his you know his opinions like really surprised me that I saw it's, that. It's very interesting because he at the same time claims that the problem with like our generation is that we we want to throw away history and we're not paying attention to history, uh, <laughs> in, even though there's a lot of things to learn and uh, understand from it. And at the same time, he uh, he also was quoted saying that where do you think human of rights come from of course they come from christianity so i mean anybody that studies history even a little bit would know that most of these values were addressed in much deeper way way before christianity was ever a thing i really don't understand how how you could say that if you actually value studying history um yeah i mean do you know um you know about uh, king Kurush of iran uh, i don't know how you said in english Kurush. um Sorry, uh, I forgot how you said English. The, his real name is Kurush, but uh, in Western way they say um, Cyrus, King Cyrus, right? Uh, of Cyrus. Cyrus, yeah. The Cyrus Cylinder. Um, that's the first recorded declaration of human rights. And even though it's shitty compared to our modern day values, it was still pretty extraordinary for its time because it was, it was, it. it I mean, most of it was basically him praising himself, and uh, but the rest of it was giving their rights to the people that he conquered to practice their own religion or practice their own way of life rather than having to adopt a new 
a, a new gods and a new um, culture, a new way of life. So he was the first multicultural king recorded in history. Uh, right. And for his time, this was a pretty crazy suggestion, right? Um, right. And that freedom of practice and freedom of religion and freedom of thought, uh, that's, that predates the Bible by thousands of years, right? So, yeah. you know, to, to suggest that the Bible had anything to do with that is extraordinary. Sorry, you wanted to add something here? Oh, not to that, no. Okay. No. I'm going to read some... I want, I want to make a comment. I want to make a comment. There's, uh, you know, in my own studies about the Enlightenment, there's so many names that, are, that people don't know about. Uh, and a lot of them are... Or at least several of them are atheists. Like, uh, like there's one called a guy named Helvetius, and he, uh, his writing, he was an atheist basically, and his writings were like really influential, and they inspired like, uh, you know, who Cesare Beccaria is? No, well, uh, he was a writer in the in the Enlightenment, and he was he wrote a book called On Crimes and Punishment about oh. reforming uh, the criminal law, and that's and like that was extremely influential. Jefferson and, and every major political person basically read it and it was all about reforming uh you know criminal law and making it making it more humane and proportional to the crime and that kind of thing uh and he wrote that he was inspired by the works of helvetius uh and uh also mary uh wallace wallenstonecraft uh she wrote the rights of woman in 1792 a big feminist author she was inspired by his arguments that the only reason we have inequalities of women and men is because they lack the opportunity equal opportunity to be you know educated basically and uh there's just so many people if you read about it uh during the enlightenment that made a, a big impact that were not religious that were even atheists uh you know and i think i mentioned uh, last podcast evolution goes back to ancient greece right theories of evolution you know diderot wrote about evolution uh you know so and this whole idea of people being equal and stuff um, and human rights, th that, that's what led to a movement against slavery as well, coming out of Europe, right? Like the whole idea, I mean, this, the one major benefit of that was this whole argument that we should end slavery, right? Is that correct, that you could tie in the end of slavery to enlightenment, the fact that the enlightenment values becoming popular in Europe? Yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah, and the inter the interesting thing that is uh, with that is also a lot of Christians try to give credit to Christianity for ending slavery, even though the Bible itself condones slavery. Right. We have specific verses for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, again, uh, because I don't see. I mean, we're not we're not we're not philosophers here, okay? And this seems pretty obvious. I mean, you are, but. I, but we're not, I mean, I'm not an expert and you just look basic history and you can see based on anybody that has studied the history and you talk to them, you can see that where these values are coming from. It's, it doesn't seem like one of those mysteries of history that requires much digging for you to be able to put two and two together. Like anybody that are any expert that has studied history, when you start talking to them about this, they will they, they will admit to this to everything that we have said here i mean go just anybody this is not the things that we're saying here the the fact the stuff that we're talking about the uh protestant uh thinkers uh the the reformation um founders the stuff that we're talking about the enlightenment thinkers the stuff that we're talking about what the result of their what they did was 
um, and the, th the thoughts, the values that came out of the uh, Reformation movement, what they were and how they contradict with the Enlightenment values, these are not disputed. These are not things that people, there is a debate about any of this, right? right. Um, if you go read about these, these are all there. So the fact that this is such an obvious part of history rather than some of those more controversial disputed parts, it makes it even more bizarre that these claims exist out there, that the, the Western values have come out of Christianity. I'm still trying to... One thing... Um, I mean, I see why Christians might be saying that. Obviously, the same way Muslims try to take credit for... This is very similar to... You know how we had the, the golden age of... Islam, which I think has been labeled incorrectly, it should have been labeled the golden age of Arabs and Persians, because right. because they went through that golden nothing to do with Islam, right? Yeah, because it had nothing to do with Islam. I think it's very similar to that because the Arab Empire did went through a golden age. Nobody can deny that they had lots of science and philosophy and art, and they almost had an enlightenment until Ghazali came and fucked it up. Uh, so they they went through that. Um, and a lot of Muslims today wanted to claim credit for that. They're like, look, we went, we had our golden age. Islam is not backward. Uh, backwards. How could we have a golden age if Islam is so backward? We were, we had like mathematics, chemistry, uh, philosophy, all that good stuff, right? And like, mm -hmm. okay, it goes. They are making the same argument as Christians are making. And I was like, okay, yeah, you did have that. Um, but show me where, why was that was because of Islam. I mean, the fact is that your empire, got, the Arab empire became rich. Every empire that gets very rich, at some point, it stops, stops thinking about war and starts looking into poetry, philosophy, arts, and science. That's how every fucking empire went through when they became rich. Your, those, those thinkers did science because they were scientists, not because they were Muslim. Those philosophers did philosophy because they were philosophers, not because they were Muslims. They did art because they were artists, not because they were Muslim. In fact, a lot of them were anti-Islamic, uh, very anti-Islamic, right? Uh, which is, right. Uh, which people, when people read their quotes back back in, the, uh, in Baghdad, people are shocked to know that there are such anti-Islamic, anti-Quranic views back then, and right under the Khalifa's nose. But... Uh, so I understand why Muslims do it. I understand why Christians do it. But the bizarre thing, especially more recently, is that a lot of atheists are making the same arguments. A lot yeah, of I don't well, I have a hypothesis for why they're making it, and I think it's more of an anti-Islam thing more than a pro-Christian thing. Do you, what do you think about that? I think a lot of it's a crisis of identity rather than act any actual legitimate arguments for it. It's basically uh, a response to immigration, a response to Islam growing as a religion, and people trying to go back to their roots, and they just have a misunderstanding of what those roots were. And they're thinking that maybe they they saying like atheists don't have anything to offer when it comes to guarding against Islam and maybe our best hope against Islam or our best hope against this crisis of identity is Christianity, especially because it has such a long history and has a proven history as they think. And you don't, you go back to Christianity, not because Christianity is true, but because there's no other alternative against these, these, these threats. That's they may think that. 
Right. But they're wrong. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I know they're wrong, but I think, do you think that that's part of the reason? Again, they could think that, <laughs> but it, again, no, they're wrong. I know, I know they're wrong. I agree with you that they're wrong. Um, I mean, the best, the best thing against Islam is the same thing that we against Christianity, which is enlightenment yeah. values. I mean, if you I don't get why Christians don't understand that, like the separation of church and state is about fairness. Secularism is about, at least in the political sense, is about fairness, right? Yeah. Um, because if any one religion can control the government, any can, right? I mean, like it's it's about keeping things fair and peaceful. I mean, because we had thousands of years of history to teach us. Know about persecution and, and what happens, right, with theocracies. Um, but, but my response to that is that you should defeat Islam this, with the same tools you defeated Christianity, and that's the Enlightenment values, right? If you want to learn anything yeah. from history, learn that. Um, but if you, think, if you think Islamic extremists are more extreme than Christians used to be, then you need to read history again. Right. I mean. Um, do, do you have before, uh, I want to go to the live chat and see some of the yep. points that people brought up but I wanted to see did you want to bring up a couple of other points before I do that uh, I w do you want to get into the the United States the founding of the United States a little bit yeah quickly go over that uh, it'll take a while if you want to go ahead and go get into the live chat um, okay let me do I, have I have some documentation here okay okay let me look at the live chat really quickly we missed a few good st stuff at the top I hope it okay uh, okay, so Renzo is saying devil's advocate, uh, Calvinism, legitimated capitalism, interest rate, and profit seeking, whereas Catholicism was very anti-commerce. You know what Calvin advocated? He advocated predestination. So everybody is predestined. Either go to hell or go to heaven. So, like, why even do anything? Like, it's a very pessimistic, you know, worldview. It's like everything is preordained. It doesn't matter what you do, right? Um, which is a big, huge problem with Christianity is, uh, I mean, they say it's good works also, but it is contradicted because, you know, you talk about it's belief. Belief is salvation. Like, what God would be so stupid that they would know that authentic belief is not an option? You don't really decide what you believe, right? Um so believing is is what gets you salvation, not not acts, not moral acts. Um, but you know, uh, Calvin Thomas Jefferson he called uh, Calvin's God a demon. He said it'd be better to believe in no God at all than to blaspheme him than by calling him uh, by uh, attributing the things that Calvin attributes to God. And he talks, you know, about just all the absurdity and the you know the malignancy of, of Calvin and, and his beliefs. Uh, so that, that's yeah. So Calvin, Renzo also says Cal Calvinism was also used to legitimize insurrection against tyrants in the Netherlands, Switzerland, and the U.S. Uh, but the yeah. So the point there's two points basically to this. First of all, Calvinism also came with um, a lot of shit, like as you mentioned, that is very uh, against you know humanist values or enlightenment values. Yeah. But at the same time. Even these um, sp specific examples that uh, in Calvinism, which is uh, pro interest rate, pro capitalism, or pro or anti um, anti tyrant, the thing is, you you might you you would be more even more excused to say th uh, these came from like Calvinism had something to do that with that 
those examples, specific examples, but not really Christianity. Even though I understand that Calvinism is part of is, is a branch of Christianity, the thing is that Christ, the core of Christianity doesn't have anything, any thought, anything with regards to those ideas. Like, show me where in the Bible capitalism is promoted or profit seeking is promoted. Show me where. Yeah, or freedom, or where in the Bible specifically uh, the New Testament explicitly is against equal rights for women. It says they should be submissive, cannot teach or hold authority over men. Right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. you know, it teaches slaves to stay in your station, basically. Right. Serve your master's will. So, uh, Wolf is saying Christianity. Like Matt Dillahunty says, you know, you know, God can teach us not to eat shrimp, but He can't preach it. You know. Tell us, you know, not to own slaves. It's like it's God, you know. Yeah, that's it. it would take just one line. Don't yeah. own another human being. Um, Wolf is saying Christianity is super narcissistic. Muscal is saying, do you think we need an enlightenment movement now? If so, what would it look like? Actually, I wanted to have another discussion later on with you, specifically about what Muscal is saying, to see. To come up with a strategy, to come up with thinking about like how we, we how could we first of all popularize uh, valuing and giving credit to enlightenment thinkers and value, and also using that uh, popularity to replicate it again, especially in Islamic countries, right? Um, I mean, I know a lot of people in Islamic countries are a big fan of these thinkers. Uh, and are against oh, yeah? uh, Islamic values. Yeah, yeah. Even a lot of a lot of people read uh, read these books as an act of rebellion. Um, That's awesome. But, but I was wondering how we could. I mean, the movement. All a lot of people when they talk about like going to the, these countries and trying to spread these ideas, the way they think about it, I think, is that we need to start from scratch. But th that's not. It's not. That's not how it works because these movements already exist there on the ground. Uh, what what is needed is for us to discover people that are doing this, um, you know, underground because they usually are doing it against the law, uh, and right. try to fi find out how we can, you know, how we can help and how also we can spread their ideas and how we could, we could help them with their recruitment process, right? And give them right. a louder voice. And again, this is why at, at, what, at, what we're going to do at Atheist Republic once we get enough funding and support is to get uh, to do a lot of translation, both the, the, both the translation of activists on the ground in Iran, in Saudi Arabia, in Pakistan, in Bangladesh, in Indonesia, Malaysia, and everywhere else to English so that their voices are, are heard from uh, on a global scale and also to translate our content from English to their language so that um, basically make the barriers and communication uh, break down the barriers of communication right so that's a, that's one goal we have but I do want us to have another episode about how and an, a second enlightenment a global enlightenment like the enlightenment movement era that we had was mostly a European enlightenment movement right and then also American as well right but how how are we able to do have a second age of enlightenment on a global scale right so maybe right. we could have a discussion about that um rent so let me see sorry sorry it's not scrolling hmm. many of the wars you and oh come on sorry i need a i need a i need to buy a new computer let me where that 
go. Uh, I read that one already. Muscal, I read that one. What's the next one? Okay, yeah. Razor is saying many of the words you, Landon, mentioned were also driven by a, a tr uh, arist aristocratic uh, rivalry, not just religion, religious fanaticism, which is yeah. But we we did you didn't we didn't mention that it was only religion, right? We did religion had a major role to play, but it wasn't just religion. Go on. What, what are they getting at? I'm sorry, I missed that. So you're saying it wasn't just religion that started those wars. It was also a lot of um, aristocrats uh, competing with each other that caused those wars. Yeah, there, there's always been other factors, but I mean, religion is what makes it where you can't even compromise, right? It's a matter, you know, of heaven and hell, and you know, and that it brings the hatred to as extreme as it can get, right? Right. You know. And you can't compromise on, on God's law, right? Or you used to not. But yeah. The way I, the way I say what, what you just said is that religion is usually not the only factor, but it's a very negative factor. Yeah. Uh, Wolf is saying human race come, to, uh, come from humans, not a black book. Uh, Wolf is also saying my mother was part uh, native. My, oh, it's... Somebody comments. So my mother was part native. My biological father was a reg was a regular white. My stepfather was a, whom raised me was a white man. Never was I thought anything to do with religion. I don't know what is that in response to Theo McKay is saying I'm late. What's up? Uh, Theo McKay saying, have you guys discussed individualism? Do you want to talk about the source of individualism and whether or not anything in the Bible? Uh, is responsible for individualism. That's not really a topic I've read too much into, um, but I don't see where that would be in the Bible. Yeah, I don't see it. Really. Apologists, because Theomachy is saying apologists always say that individualism is a Judeo-Christian value. The only verse that they use to support it uh, support is that humans are made in God's image, but that doesn't follow. So actually, yeah, that was from the, all the arguments that I brought up for why Christianity is responsible for Western values or Judeo-Christian values are responsible for Western values. This is also one of them. So even they say that even if you can't directly connect freedom of speech, uh, due process, and all that other good stuff to, there is no specific commandments from, uh, for that in the Bible. The truth is that the value of an individual uh, was... Um, Increase because of the Bible, right? Like rather than just a tribe or a government or uh, indivi indiv uh, individualism came from the Bible, and the reason for that is that God says in the Bible says that we were made in God's image, right? Uh, and again, the arguments against that is that well, individualism wasn't that popular until recently. So how come uh, seventeen hundred years of Christianity never was never responded? Uh, uh, okay yeah go on but christianity crushed the individual yeah. it was all about conformity it's all about bow down and don't talk back you know and yep <laughs> that's whole history um it, it's a history of uh massacring people with incorrect views that that express their individual views right yeah um so that doesn't add up yeah uh, the, in the bible you know it, it, it may talk about you're God's children, but it also says you're like worms and you're unworthy and you, you can't do anything without God's help. So, right. you know, and everything is due to God, you know, constantly like somebody will 
achieve something or get better from a sickness and they'll, you know, all praise be to God, but, you know, they never give themselves credit or the people that help them credit, you know, the science and, and the doctors or the whoever in a job, that, you know, that help them. So you're talking about individualism that, that seems to take away from the individuals and the individuals involved in individual achievement, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, if if this is how your God contributed to these values, your God is a shitty writer. Because the, every time you try to connect any of these values to to the Bible, you can see it's such a vague and loose connection that you really have to use your imagination to be able to give credit to any of this shit. I mean, if you look at the Enlightenment thinkers, the way they wrote about these values, the amount of uh, how specific they were and how... Uh, I mean, you can't confuse what they are saying, right? You can exactly right. see what specifically the values they're promoting and the reasoning behind the the why they think these values are worth adopting. Like, it's very clear. The Christianity it's very well the individual, what? Sorry. Did Christianity pro promote the individual rights of women? No. I don't think so, right? Yeah, I mean, Theomachy is not, by the way, saying that he's basically one. He he himself agrees with us. He just wants us to respond to it. But gotcha. uh, but um, but what I'm what I'm also saying like is that the even even if you just really want to be charitable to these arguments, and you say that this God was trying to promote these values with these verses, the fact that you have to play such a, you know, be this flexible with the meaning of these verses for them to mean what you want them to mean. Makes your God, the best you could say about this, the Christian God is that he really sucked at communication, right? Like yeah. each one of these thinkers managed to communicate these values to the rest of humanity in much more effective ways than your Bible ever could. Well, you know, we know now that the Bible is kind of a, a, a wiki. It was composed by different people right and uh, right. different cultures even and like if you look in genesis like they know that like certain it has multiple authors right mm. so they have like uh, the j author the p author i forget the rest of them but you can just tell by the style of the writing and they call god by different names like one is yahweh and one is uh elohim i think um i think that's right you know so they they kind of dissected a lot of this and they know how you know it's different people over time. And there's like, you know, in Genesis one and two, they repeat the story. So there's a duplication of the story. Um, the, obviously another writer rewrote the first part. So, you know, all these, that we have all these contradictions, right? Because different people wrote them and a lot of them had different values, right? So we can, you can even look at Genesis and, and look at the old Testament with um, sexuality and look at uh, be fruitful and multiply, right? But in the New Testament, it's like marriage is like a distraction before the imminent end times that are right around the corner. Uh, so, you know, if you want to pull values, coherent, an overall coherent picture, a, a package of values from the Bible, you have a lot of problems because of all the contradictions and everything else. You know what I mean? Um, but why do we have so many goddamn thousands of sects of christianity because god god does not speak clearly and he's vague and he's clearly a human author or authors right you know because if it was clear we could not possibly have all these different sects you know yeah and, and actually if you study like bart ehrman and you actually go look into the history for why like why something made it into the bible and something else didn't um you could you could see that uh, what it suggests is that the most of the motivation behind uh, 
uh, what made it into the Bible was political. And given that that we have that evidence, I mean, if if any, if you have, if you look at what biblical scholars will tell us, you can see the the political motives behind putting a book like Bible together, which is yeah. interesting. To, which is very interesting because the atheists that are Christian apologists and suggest that there are some hidden meanings in this uh, that is good for all humanity, they make it seem like whoever put the Bible together, these were some uh, great thinkers that had some 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 profound knowledge about uh value the values that enlightenment thinkers only came up with 1700 years later but they already knew it back then but um but for some reason instead of just communicating that, that with us they put it in stories and hid it in like enigmas for us to instead of just putting it right there for us to read they just put it in right. enigmas for us to be able to have to solve a fucking puzzle to be able to get it out of there and that's why it took 1700 years apparently for people to figure it out because they hid it in there and it's just weird for me to, to for somebody to suggest that people back then even even i understand that people that wrote the bible uh, for their time i mean they, these were they're scholars at the time. I mean, anybody that could read and write as a scholar was probably a scholar at the time. But again, their understanding of of um, of the universe, of our of biology, of our brain was very, very much uh, uh, you know backwards compared to the thinkers that came after them, right? And right. Uh, but at the same time, even if they even I mean, that, that doesn't stop you from giving contributing good values. I mean, f thinkers before them, like in ancient Greece, they, they they also had the limited understanding, but at least they promoted a process whereas you used logic and and and, uh, and critical thinking for you to come up with your conclusions, even with the limited information they had, right? But the, the right. but if you if you look in history, if the the motivation behind the people that put the Bible together looks purely looks most like a political, political. motivation. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. The councils of men that you know put them together. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, and and given that we have this information, it it just it's, again amazes me that these uh, these modern atheists, uh, Christian apologists, atheists suggest that there seems to be some some grand design behind p putting very valuable hidden values in behind stories that you only have to read it in a certain way for you to be able to get it like where are you getting this from because everything else we know about history so just otherwise the only the only thing that we have that for you uh, on your side is this you suggesting it you claiming it but you we have nothing beyond your claim that there there is such a thing in these stories but anyways go on yeah um i saw a document that robert g ingersoll wrote uh that said you know if jesus was god he knew that you know there would be countless wars and oppression and tyranny you know in his name when he came you know but he he didn't do anything to speak clearly keep that from happening right he, he knew that all this all the the carnage and terror would follow after he was dead right he was god right he knew all this would happen so that's something to think about and you know if only he was god he would have known about you know like bacteria and the things that actually were causing like so many kids to die around him by the, the, the thousands right while he was doing his little isolated miracles right supposedly you know what i mean um right. you know but instead we have gospels that say you know a mud and spit can cure blindness, faith can conquer poison, and demons cause illness, right? So, 
Yeah, I mean, you would take just one verse like that before you do operation, wash your hands and wine. Wouldn't that be such a great verse to have in the Bible? It would have like, saved so many lives, right? Yeah, you would just... It would have advanced human civilization, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you just had that in the Bible or the Quran, hey, wash your hands in wine and your tools before doing surgery. How many people's lives would be saved if we just had that? But... It took again, but um, again, again, it took the Enlightenment movement also to popularize the scientific method as well. So that's also uh, something where we need to give credit to the Enlightenment era. Not that we, not that we didn't have science before it, but the but the scientific method became su such a popular thing because of that era. Just a few more um, live chat comments. Uh, Theo Mackey is saying because right after the verses in Genesis, oh, the verses that he mentioned that we were made in God's image, in, the, in Genesis also got, in the same Genesis book, the Genesis, God wipes out humanity with a flood, uh, divides them into races, then chooses one race as his chosen one. Uh, and he has regrets I, even though he doesn't make mistakes. Right. And he gets mad and stuff, even though he's perfect, right? Yeah, and he basically, you know, Mikey's saying, I don't read individualism into that. Yeah, so basically, yes, God values human human life and individualism. This is the same God that wiped out most of humanity because he gave them free will and then they didn't act in the way he wanted he wanted them to. to but you would have known already, right? Yeah, and he wiped them out with a fucking flood. Yeah, value human life for sure. And then he divides, and he's... Yeah, the, the the fact that he has a chosen race of people as his favorite people goes against enlightenment values as well. There, it's so amazing because we we can sit here all day and give you examples that go against humanist values, go against enlightenment values, and we could like give write essays on different examples in the Bible, and all they have is like, hey, love your neighbor, like yeah, okay. Um, and they just go, just, just hang into that. Like, please just let us use this, this one thing for us to be able to say that we are responsible for enlightenment values. Okay. Good luck with that. Um, Theo Mike is saying, and his chosen people are often collectively punished instead of individually because when the Hebrews sin, God punishes them collectively. Yeah. Um, just, you know, just, I mean, imagine if you bomb an entire city because of the actions of a few people there, right? God did that. Uh, uh, Mackey is saying the first time we start getting a glimpse of individualism uh, is the uh, Athenian democracy, so a democracy based in Athens, which we know was imperfect, but it was uh, refined and perfected in the Enlightenment. Yeah, again, these uh, we, nobody. We, I'm hope we're not, we're not suggesting that no, none of these uh, values were suge not su uh, suggested before the Enlightenment. No, the Enlightenment popularized them and really added a lot of nuance and a lot of critical thinking to some of these values that people did talk about way before it. Uh, they, they were kind of the founders of, of the social sciences, right? Yes, the exactly. Enlightenment. Yeah. So. By the way, a lot of people, I know this is not relevant, but a lot of people do say that the only pure democracy that we had ever had in history was in Athens. That's not even, that's not true because women were not allowed to vote. Um, Muscal is saying, I believe the Middle East, I, I think also slaves, I don't know. Muscal is saying, I believe the Middle East country, uh, Middle East countries need an enlightenment movement. As for the US, we need the pro-science, pro-evidence Based um, well, I mean, you you have that Moscow relative to other countries. You're way ahead of everybody else. But yeah, 
that doesn't mean there's there's no room for more progress. Uh, so and against Yomaki as ultimately geo Judeo Christian values are just Trojan horse to try to take credit for Enlightenment values and sneak in bigoted, outdated ideas into the modern world. Exactly, Theomaki. And Theomaki also adds the Enlightenment made science the popular uh, uh, I don't know, uh, pa paradigm uh, and it, it's a paradigm that works. Is that how you say that? Yeah. Before, the, before the, it was Christianity, but the Reformation proved its uh, device. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's a divisive paradigm. Is that how you say that? Yeah. Again, English is my second language, but I'm learning every day. Uh, uh, did, did you want to get into the American sphere of things? Yes. Like the American Constitution? Okay. Um, what I thought I'd do is go through some quotes of some American founders. I think you probably have heard most of these, but maybe some of your viewers haven't, you know? Uh, so... Uh, just one quote from uh, uh, John Quincy Adams talking about Thomas Jefferson. He says, uh, Enlightenment philosophy Jefferson imbibed in the 1760s from a, a teacher uh, at William and Mary in Virginia that led Jefferson to the mysteries of free thinking and irreligion, uh, loose morals, um, and of not being an absolute atheist, someone whose belief in a, did not believe in a future existence. Um, he combined his hostility to religious authority with his hostility to aristocracy, which arose from his infidel philosophy. And even um, some some Enlightenment figures like John Adams, who did think that you needed some type of religion to ground morality in society, uh, he still was a her her heretical Unitarian who uh, he hated the clergy and religious dogmatism um, and theological mysteries. Um, he didn't believe in Jesus being divine or, or all kinds of things so um but uh getting to the exact quotes like um let's see i'm taking these from my book by the way i have a a chapter uh on theocracy which gets into the enlightenment uh can, and can the you oh my god Go can you mention your book again for the people that uh, joined later in the conversation justified faith how could you justify faith somebody will say Oh, well, it depends on how you want to define faith, right? Okay. I just mean, I guess I mean belief, right? right? I use faith more because it sounded better, I guess, and to contrast it with religious faith. But you don't have to call it faith. I mean, you can call it belief. Right. You know, uh, should you have belief in humanity? I say it's justified to have belief in humanity because of the overall progress we've made, right? right. Going from cave dwellers to space explorers, right? And just all the things that, that humanity has achieved. Uh Contrasting that with religious faith. Um, but the, the founders, right? Um, so the founders were very much impacted by the European um, Enlightenment yeah. thinkers. And they, yeah, and they a lot of them knew each other, which uh, we got into some in the last uh, podcast that we did. Yeah. Um, they wrote a lot of letters to each other, right? Yeah, and Franklin and Jefferson lived in France, and they... they uh, Franklin went to the, the famous atheist, the Holbach Salon. He, uh, he met him. Uh, so, yeah, and Helvetius. He actually, Franklin, uh, I mentioned Helvetius earlier. After Helvetius died, Franklin proposed to his, his uh, widow. <laughs> wow. She kept, like, the wow. salon alive long after he died. And a lot of, like, philosophers and atheists and people came there. And Franklin actually, you know, he was a big womanizer, right? Franklin. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. actually proposed uh, Helvetius' uh, wife. 
uh, his widow. So that's so funny. And Benjamin Franklin actually, uh, it said he belonged to the Hellfire Club, which was like this really anti-Christian, you know, group. So uh, anyway, um, um, uh, I, I, I guess maybe you've heard of Franklin um, talking about how he became a deist. He read like some books against deism and that actually turned him to deism because they were more convincing than the arguments against it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, a lot of people called him an atheist too, even though he really wasn't. Uh, but was well, talking about legislation, right? Um, so this is a quote from uh, James Madison, who was uh, one of the, the main, actually the main uh, writer of the Constitution, framer. Uh, it's from a document called Memorial and Remonstrance Against Religious Assessment in 1785. It says, during almost 15 centuries has the legal establishment of Christianity been on trial? What have been its fruits? More or less in all places, pride and indolence in the clergy, servility and ignorance in the laity, and both superstition, bigotry, and persecution. So, I mean, that's kind of taking Christianity to trial right there, right? Right. Or, you know, saying throughout history, it's had bigotry, superstition, uh, persecution, ignorance, servility. So, uh, who does not see that the same authority which can establish Christianity and exclusion of all other religions may establish with the same ease any particular sect of Christians and exclusion of all others? James Madison from the same uh, document. Um, again, James Madison in a letter to Edward Livingston, July 10th, 1822. Every new and successful example of a perfect separation between ecclesiastical and civil matters is of importance. I have no doubt that every new example will succeed as every past one has done in showing that religion and government will both exist in greater purity the less they are mixed together. I'm going to read, uh, can I read some of the, a few of the live chat? Sure. sure. So Muscal is saying, how do we, I'm going to actually use this as a, uh, excuse for a shameless plug. Muska is saying, how do we take back the Enlightenment uh, movement back from the religious uh, religious of the world? Well, Muska, you could, uh, we could do that by donating to Atheist Republic <laughs> and supporting Atheist Republic because that's exactly what we're trying to do here. And if we do get enough support, we'll be able to also tr do this in many different in Arabic. Persian. So that's th this. The question that you're asking is exactly what we're trying to do with our uh, podcast, the books that we're publishing, the YouTube videos that we're doing. Uh, but we don't want to just do. If we want, if we're talking about the world, um, we want to be able to do that in every language. So as soon as we get enough resources for that, we'll st we'll get on that. And there is a lot of demand, a lot of support for this, uh, especially. Uh, in Iran, in Saudi Arabia, in Egypt, in Indonesia. So, if um, so, yeah, we, that, this is the, the question that you're asking is a question that we're asking ourselves every day and try to come up with ways to spread those ideas. Uh, Theo Mikey is saying, ever notice that we can admit the faults of people who have, who gave us our values, um, like, like in America, the slavery and what um, in America, like I think he's talking about what happened to. Um, natives, but Judeo Christian supporters always try to excuse ancient slavery and sexism. Yeah, this is an this is another interesting point because a lot of when you talk about Enlightenment values, a lot, uh, one counter 
point to that is like, well, did you know that this person had slaves and this Enlightenment thinker did that and this guy was like, um, did this bad thing or that bad thing? And like, yeah, you know, the, these Enlightenment thinkers, they contributed great values and we don't see them as gods, right? Like we're not, we don't see them as sacred. It's not like you're looking at it yeah. the way you look at your Jesus. That's exactly. not how... We're not looking at them the way you look at Jesus. These are flawed. Point, yeah. yeah, these no. are flawed men that contributed uh, some great values, and we acknowledge their flaws. Do but you know what a constant theme is, though, throughout the Enlightenment. All the names that preach against religion, they preach against sexism and slavery and all of that stuff. I mean, like you know, I could go through names like uh, Toland, uh, Diderot, um, Condorcet. All these guys preach against sexism and, you know, lower status for women. They preach against slavery uh, and they preach against religion. All this stuff kind of went together for a whole lot of these um, philosophers and writers. Right. Uh, so. I mean, the fact is that we, there are many, a lot of people are not slaves today because of these thinkers. A lot of women have rights today because of these thinkers right yeah um and we, we could say that at the same time acknowledging the shitty things that they did in fact it's a good thing well a lot, a lot of these people there's nothing shitty you can say about them like even the ones, even the examples that you have whatever examples that you have even the small uh, even if it's a few far a few are far in between the good the thing yeah. is that even if they didn't do any shitty things but they had some crazy views and they had some Along, along right with the good values that they have they said some stupid shit the good thing about the, the fact is that these we we will because the values that we are advocating for is not set in stone and we can't can constantly rewrite it and improve it um, right. the reason is because we we are we're willing to acknowledge the problems with 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 the we don't see these um these thinkers as divine authority that you have to take everything that we said and that's yeah. that's not a they they point at it as if this is a flaw but actually that's a feature that the fact right. that you're the, the the fact that you have to defend every shitty thing that comes out of your book that's your problem that's that's a flaw with your ideology that's not a problem when it comes to the way we, we look at values we will constantly we will constantly rewrite and admit mistakes yeah and so, like, and for them, too, it's, it's like a big task to try to make sense of all these, you know, bad things and contradictions in history and scripture. I mean, but, you know, for me, it, it, it's what religion is man-made. It's what it, it should look like, right? You know, there might be some good things here and there, but, you know, it's a lot of crap. It's a lot of, it looks man-made, right? So... Right. Muscal is saying, Armin, so Atheist Republic is an antidote to, for everything wrong with the religious of the world? <laughs> no. Um, uh, I was just saying we're, we're one of the many, a small part of the many organizations that are trying to do this. Of course, there's many, many others that are doing the same thing and they all deserve support. Um, but, but she continues that I still, uh, still a nice plug. Oh, thank you. Love your uh, cons. Uh, confidence in what you're doing well yeah i wouldn't be doing it if i wasn't confident that it was helpful uh all right so anything else we need to add before we start wrapping it up yeah i have a quote here uh, by and i guess we won't get into all the american founder quotes you can look those up i mean just give me the, the best ones give me the best ones <laughs> okay i'll try to go really quick, quick. uh some have made the love of god the foundation of morality 
if we did a good act merely from love of God and a belief that it is pleasing to him, whence arises the morality of the atheists? Did a road to Holbach, Condorcet, de Alembert known to have been among the most virtuous of men? Their virtue then must have had some other foundation than the love of God. Thomas Jefferson to Thomas Law, June 13, 1814. Um, you know, there's a lot of quotes, Jefferson talking against priests and, uh, you know, questioning God and saying that there's never been a, a free people that's been ruled by priests. Um, you know, you know, Thomas Paine, The Age of Reason, uh, which was a book that was completely against Christianity and was a big seller uh, over the world. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of quotes I could get to. John Adams talking against forcing Christianity on people uh, and that people should be able to uh, write what they want. Yeah, I could go on and on there because that's something I've, I've studied a lot. But yeah, that that is time consuming. To just any book just that you recommend for uh, oh my god, any book that you recommend for somebody for a person that is just getting started, not not very advanced, very s simple and easy to read to get in, introduced to uh, the Enlightenment thinkers and uh, what they and their and their, and their ideas. Yeah. Uh, Probably the one I showed you earlier, uh, this one right here by, by, by Peter Gay. It's just called The Enlightenment, The Rise of Modern Paganism by Peter Gay. Okay. Do you mind it's not a classic, me? so yeah. Do you mind sending me the link to all these, uh, anything you mentioned, including your own sure. book? Um, your own book. And where can people find you and follow you? Uh, just on Atheist Republic. I just got through posting, uh, I had two blogs posted. Um, one of them is called Hardship and Atheism, and another one is called uh, Atheist Before Darwin. So it's kind of going through some of the atheists, like in the Enlightenment. Uh, and this is a great book on some of those atheists, real quick. It's called A Wicked Company. To your left, go to your left. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Okay. A Wicked Company by Philip Bloom, I think. Okay. The Forgotten Radicalism of the European Enlightenment. It talks about, you know, a lot of the atheists in the Enlightenment, like the Holbach and Diderot hmm. and their big circle that were really influential. Uh, I was going to get to the Constitution, like some stuff about it before out of time. That's that's cool. We, that's can, a, we can have another another full episode on the founding fathers of the United States and how United States is not a Christian uh, country, uh, founded on Christianity. We could have a specific right. episode for that. Uh, Christy is saying in the live chat, can't go wrong with supporting um, Atheist Republic and Freedom from Religion Foundation. Yep, shout out to Freedom from Religion Foundation. Uh, Theo Mackey is saying, um, so uh, you mentioned Do Dobak? Dolbach? Dobak. Well, he, uh, Theo Mackey is saying the H is silent. There is no, uh, uh, it's pronounced Dolbach. Uh, so thank you for the, uh, Theo Mackey for that. I've heard it pronounced differently. Hmm. In Europe, hmm. it's pronounced differently. I've heard it pronounced differently. Oh, so. you heard it pronounced differently. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, if people pronounce things wrong, that means they read a lot, which uh, instead yeah. of instead of listening to things a lot, which is fine. Um, yeah. Well, so it could mean that. Uh, anyways, thank you so much for your time again. Wait, um, go send me the links. Uh, uh, on Facebook, so I could put everything in the live chat. By the way, uh, you we've been very generous with your time, so please, guys, go show him support for everything that for all the stuff that we learned from Landon today. Go check out his book. His book is in the description. He's a really good writer, 
uh, and also check out the books that he's recommending. Atheists around the world are choosing to give voice to their opinions and no longer hide their lack of religious beliefs. In some cases, this public declaration of atheism can lead to backlash from friends and family. In other areas, it can even be physically dangerous to admit to atheism. Atheist Republic wants to give atheists a louder voice. Let's show them that we're listening, no matter which language they speak. If we reach 500 patrons, we will be able to translate our shows into Arabic, Spanish, Persian, Portuguese, Malay, Bengali, Urdu, Hindi, and other languages. Help us get there at patreon.com forward slash atheist republic.